On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, it is a a sad day, a sad week, a sad day. Tom Brady is is gone officially, and uh, and we're all very sad about it. But uh, the good news for us, at least, well, I mean, I don't know, it's not good news, but the good news for us, at least, we have Phil Perry on the show, one of our favorite guests, one of the favorite, uh, one of everyone's favorite personalities, I think, in Boston media. Um, he's on the show to talk to talk about Brady, to talk about the Patriots, and to talk about the future of the team. Uh, losing all these free agents and kind of moving forward. So it's a great conversation. Uh, Spags and I are going to give you a, a quick Pat's Madness update afterwards as well. Um, I know that kind of got lost in the shuffle, but we're going to give you a little update on that as well. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the future of this team. Well, we'll see what happens, but it's a great conversation. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Doesn't feel real yet, but Tom Brady is no longer a member of the Patriots. Yeah, uh, we talked. We did a, you know, an instant reaction type live show right after the news dropped at like eight, eight o'clock Tuesday morning. Um, it was definitely a tough episode for us. Now, with uh, it, it kind of given us a few days to kind of you know look over it and everything. It's it's um, it's definitely tough, but um, you know the sun came up the next day and each day is going to get better. And I think we talked last night when I gave you a call, I hit the links yesterday, I hit them pretty well. It was a nice day. Um, yep. had to drive a little bit up North because of the whole quarantine, but I gave you a call and we had kind of said, you know, it's not going to really set in until training camp. And I think that was very true. You know, you get the, I, I tweeted out a video yesterday, of Brady running onto the field and the crowd going crazy chanting Brady. That's when it's going to really settle in and you see him in another camp yep. and, you know, he posts pictures of him in another uniform. That's when it'll really kick in. But um, for now, it's just kind of taking it one day at a time. Um, you know, it's an interesting time now. Um, for the first time in 20 years, there is not a given at the quarterback position. And I'm sure we'll talk about that with Phil. Um, oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that. But um, it, it's it's intriguing times, I think, going forward. It's the first year now where we, we, we aren't a Super Bowl favorite and it's going to be, you know, a very intriguing year to see what, what they can do and, and how good they can be going forward. Yeah. Now it's, it's a lot of, a lot of changes, a lot of changes coming. And, uh, you know, it's something that Patriots fans the last 20 years haven't, haven't experienced. And, and, you know, I remember back in the early nineties when they stunk and we didn't know what was going on from year to year. A lot of people don't remember that, right? Spags, you were too young to even know that. And so, you know, that's that's the hard part. Before 1996, really before 1996, and again, we had those three years with with uh, Pete Carroll, you know, 97, 98, 99, when, when we were kind of up in the air and you weren't 100% sure what was going on. A lot of talent, but, you know, we didn't know what was happening. But, you know, before 1996, there was a lot of question marks surrounding the team the entire time. And so, you know, we're kind of going back to those days. Um, let's hope we're not the Browns or, or, or even worse than the Browns, the Patriots of the, uh, of the early sixties and seventies. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Belichick's at the helm. And I think one thing, and this is what we're going to talk about with Phil as well. One thing to take solace in is that this is Bill Belichick's plan. This is not Tom Brady left and Belichick wanted him desperately to come back and he couldn't match the offer. This was Bill lowballed him because he didn't want to spend more than one year on him. And, you know, whether that's whether you agree with that or not, if that's his plan moving forward, then I have to sit there and say, okay, well, if that's what Bill wants, I don't love it, obviously. But if this is part of his plan and and he's been the architect of this whole dynasty, these two dynasties, 
you know, then you look at it and say, well, if that's the plan, then, then I got to try to stick with them and, and hopefully see what happens, you know, hopefully we'll come out on the other end. And real quick, before we get into that interview, I, I, you know, kind of just talking with some buddies and just bouncing ideas off people said talking to a bunch of people. I think if, you know, they're going to be fine on defense. I know they lost Van Noy and Collins and they were two very critical people, critical players to that defense. They were very good in their role. But just like the last 20 years, you get these guys, they come in. Both of them had one foot out the door in the league. Belichick rejuvenated the career. They got paid. And now there's an up and coming. You got Bentley. You got Winovich. I'm sure they'll address that pretty early on in the draft. I would say one of their first four picks, I think, would be at linebacker. Obviously, Patrick Queen out of LSU. Zach Bond out of Wisconsin. That could be in play in the first round. So they'll be fine on defense. Uh, The secondary is the same as last year. We know how dominant that was. And look, I know they have a tough schedule. This year's going to be, there's going to be, I think, especially on offense. You got to go to Seattle. You got to go to Kansas City, Denver. uh, LA twice. Arizona at home. Yeah, LA twice. Yep. So it is difficult, right? But I think if you can do what you did a little bit last year where you rely on defenses to win those games. Look at, you're not going to, you're not going to beat the chiefs by slowing them down offensively because look what happened in the Super Bowl. They still put up what 31 points and they got shut down for yep. 50 minutes of that game. So if right. you can at least put a, a very good defense out on the field, which you know, they're going to have with Belichick, you're going to be able to win a lot of games versus average to good teams. If you just have a quarterback in there that can manage the game, make the right reads, not turn the ball over. And I think that's where they like Stidham. I think he's a smart kid. He's definitely very raw. I don't think he's going to wow a lot of kids if he's the guy. But at least if you get a guy in there that can slow the game down, like I said, re- make the right reads, kind of control the game, and and, and kind of control the clock, kind of what they tried to do with Tom Brady this year with – you know, just yep. controlling the clock and, and establishing that run game. Obviously, they couldn't do it all year. I think they'll be okay. They they can win. You know, I know Miami and Buffalo got better, but I like our chances. I, I got asked the other day on a Atlanta radio show, where do you rank the Patriots in the AFC East? I said, look, when you've won it, what is it, 19 out of the last 20 years, I know Tom yeah. Brady's been the quarterback, but it's hard not to put him at the top. I know if Josh Allen can make that step and Stephon Diggs is really that difference maker that offense needed, yeah, you're in trouble, but I, I don't put Miami ahead of them all, even though after all the moves they made, and I certainly don't put the Jets. I think you're looking, if you can win seven to eight games this year, with if Jared Stidham is the guy, I think that's a pretty successful year. And I know that sounds crazy coming from us as Patriots fans over the last 20 years. That'd be an awful year. But right now, I'll take it. Right. Well, you know, I, I wrote about this last offseason, um, but I think that Belichick has been planning this for a few years now because um, – you know, I think he's he's trying to plan for life after Brady. And what that means is doing what they did at the beginning of the first dynasty back in 2001, where you build a good running game, where you build a good defense, and you win with your running game and your defense. And I think that that's, that's something that he's trying to do. Now, does that make you a Super Bowl winning team? No, it doesn't. It makes you a good team. It makes you a decent team. And then if you have an elite quarterback or a quarterback who is great in those clutch moments like Brady was at the beginning of his career, was obviously his whole career. But, you know, Brady in 2001 wasn't an elite quarterback, but he was a guy who didn't cave to pressure, who made great plays and great throws when he needed to. He may not have been able to do it all game, but when the game was on the line, he made plays to win them the game. And that's the difference, right? So if Stidham isn't that level, yeah, they might get to eight and eight, nine and seven, but they're not going to be four and 12 because they've built their team enough to a situation where they can actually still compete. And that's why people are talking about, oh, tank for Trevor and all this other stuff. And it's like, it's not happening. They're, that's not going to happen. Unless Jared Stedham is the worst quarterback in the NFL next year and he's throwing 30 interceptions like Jameis Winston did last year, that's not going to happen. And so, you know, people talking about that, it's like, no, that that's not going to happen. Belichick would never allow that to happen. You remember when, I remember when, you know, and people probably, I assume remember this, when the Colts sucked for luck and Manning got hurt, he talked about at length how they had no backup plan, they had no quarterback behind him, and their team completely fell apart without Peyton Manning. Bill Belichick is not going to allow that to happen to his team. He's not going to do it because 
even if let's just say they they were to tank this year, go three and thirteen and draft Trevor Lawrence number one. Well, what if Trevor Lawrence comes in and isn't amazing on day one? Now they struggle again. They go six and ten. Now what's all of a sudden now the legacy argument switches to Brady. Well, Belichick can't win without Brady. We all knew Belichick couldn't win without Brady. Now here, Belichick's never going to allow that to happen. So they're going to be competitive. Now they are they going to win the division? I don't know. They might. It's possible. It just depends on how good Stidham is. And obviously the health of everyone involved, but I think that, you know, they're going to, they're going to still be competitive. They're just not going to be competing for a championship unless somehow Jared Stidham turns into 2001 Tom Brady and he's making all these great plays. And then he can take you from an eight and eight, nine and seven team to an 11 and five teams competing for a championship. And so we just don't know any of that stuff yet. And so that's, that's kind of what we're going to see, you know? I agree. I agree with everything you said. So uh, without further ado, I think it's time we get on to our conversation with Phil Perry. Uh, I know you had said it early on in the show. Yep. One of our favorite guests gives a great insight. And uh, I had actually just, he had done a lot of Jarrett Stidham film. I actually had just tweeted it out today on Thursday morning, uh, breaking him down in the preseason. So I, uh, he was a little ahead of it. I don't think people looked at it as much then as, as to now, but definitely going to talk a lot about him, the Tom Brady situation, what the plan is going forward. Uh, I think it's a great uh, interview, and you guys will really enjoy it. Yep, let's do it. Let's get into Phil. And remember, after the Phil Perry interview, we're going to just give you a quick update on Pat's Madness, just so you can kind of follow along with that as we go. I know it's gotten lost in the shuffle, but but uh, but we'll have a quick update for you. But here's Phil Perry. All right, so we are joined by Patriots reporter for NBC Sports Boston, uh, good friend of the podcast, and uh, and one of our favorite guys in Boston media all around, Phil Perry. Phil, welcome to the show, man. Pat. Thank you so much, and uh, I can see that the check made it over to your plate, and so that is good. I got my compliment in early. I'm good to go now. I'm ready. I'm ready for the full interview. That's Thank it. You, see, that you, just, you know, that's the way I get to butter you up a little bit. <laughs> you know, behind the scenes, I privately, I hate you, but I mean, you know, it's I got to start the show with a with a compliment. You know, right, right. So, just make it, just right. make it look good. Just make it look good. That's all I ask. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So here we are laughing, right? And and meanwhile, you know, Patriot Nation burns around us with, you know, Tom Brady moving on and Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton and and uh who Nate Ebner and Deron Harmon and oh my god, like people are going nuts out there. So uh I guess let's start with with Brady. I mean, my goodness. Like I guess would would be my first question and then what do you think? What, what what's going to happen moving forward? Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things, right? Where we we saw it coming to a certain extent, and you know, for for months, really, it felt like this was in the works. And you could go back even to over the summer, and there was a lot of time that needed to elapse between when Brady negotiated his one-year contract for $23 million last summer with the Patriots and when he was going to become a free agent. But even then, there were there were breadcrumbs. There were clues there that this thing might be coming to an end. Um, and I wouldn't even include things like how he set up his role at Best Buddies or the fact that he put his house on the market. But, you know, you, you, put, a, you put all of that stuff together. And then, yeah, I mean, looking back on it now, of course, there were clues that this was coming, and yet still, Pat, still, even even for those of us that have been reporting it, and I talked to somebody close to Brady weeks before the end of the regular season, and they were so open about the fact that he was ready to go. Even then, the, the, the line that stuck in my head talking to this person was just, hey, just enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts. The, the implication being yeah. it ain't lasting that much longer. And so – uh, it's still surprising to see when he tweets it out and he announces that he's going to be moving on elsewhere. And I, like the rest of New England, was was a little bit surprised just to see that news and actually have it be real. Again, as somebody who grew up here, and I mean, Tom Brady took over as a starter when I was a sophomore in high school. And I was at, you know, my buddy Tom Driscoll's house in his basement with a bunch of our friends uh, watching <laughs> Super Bowl thirty six. And, you know, going out onto the lawn and doing snow angels after they won. So it's just, it, he's part of the fabric of the region. 
and it's still a little bit jarring the fact that he's gone and he's going to Tampa Bay. Uh, what's next is a great question. It's what we always want to know. I've got a whole podcast, Pat, at, at our place at NBC Sports Boston. It's the next Pat's podcast. It's really the only yep. question we've we've wanted answered for uh, you know months and over a year now. And I think if you're if you're asking me today, I would say what's next is Jarrett Stidham. Yep, I'd agree 100%. I'd agree 100%. I was telling you this story off air, but uh, last year I got uh, a, a press pass to to like the in-stadium practice or whatever before the season started during training camp. And I, um, I'm i in the press box and I just said like, you know, Jared Siddham is going to be the next Jordan quarterback for the for the New England Patriots. And everyone was like, what are you nuts? Like, what are you talking about? You, you, you haven't even played a preseason game yet. You know, like you're insane. And I was like, I just, I see something. Now, again, whether he, I, is he going to be good? I don't know. But, you know, everyone, it seems to be the consensus, you know, that everyone says had he stayed at Baylor, he would have been a first-round pick. He left Baylor and went to Auburn, and Auburn's, Auburn's offense is just putrid. And so, you know, he has two bad years at Auburn, um, and they look at it and just say, like, what are we doing here? Like, this kid stinks, and now he drops to the fourth round. But he came, he came in. He just reminded me of my first impressions of Jimmy G. Again, different player. I don't know if he's going to be even even close to the player that Jimmy G is or or can be, but I just saw the the quick re- release, the quick reading of the defense and him making the decisions quickly. And that's just such a key for the Patriots. That's something that they always like. And I just as soon as I saw him, it literally took one practice. I'm looking at him like, okay, like it just it just clicks. Some guys haven't, some guys don't. You know, Tim Tebow came here and he's just holding the ball back there for nine seconds. And we're just all sitting there like, well, this definitely isn't going to work, you know? And so, but some guys just, you see it. They drop back, they read the defense, boom, they make a quick decision. Maybe it's not always the right decision. Maybe that doesn't lead to to success down the road. But it's that quick decision-making that I think they value over almost pretty much anything else in the at the quarterback spot. I would agree with you. It's right up there. And if it's not number one, it's probably a close second behind just pure accuracy. And then, you know, the other things I think fall below those, you know, whether it's the intangible stuff, the character stuff, or, you know, the athleticism, the, the ability to be able to move, you know, inside and outside of the pocket, you know, Brady was, you know, not an athlete in traditional terms by any means, but he was a great athlete really inside the pocket. Uh, and you go back, yeah. and I just happen to be looking at some of his combine numbers today. Is that's just what a, a draft geek I am. Still looking at Tom Brady's combine numbers, but his three code was actually pretty good. That stood out to me. It was like just a shade over seven seconds. I'm like, wow, this guy's a terrible athlete coming out of Michigan. But you could see even then, even if you're just looking at the te- the testing numbers, you could say, man, this guy might have right. some ability to to change direction relatively quickly. And and I think he did. And we've seen that over the course of the last twenty years. So, but to your point on Stidham, I, I think a lot of things make him an intriguing, at the very least, fit in a, in a potential starter at the NFL level. I was talking to Jim Nagy today, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl now. He was a scout for the Patriots, a scout for several teams across the NFL. But now he has this position where he's running the Senior Bowl, and Jared Stidham was there last year, and he won practice player of the week for the quarterback position at the Senior Bowl last year where they had some pretty talented guys. And one of the things that, that Nagy told me was, well, number one, he is not your standard fourth round pick. And it's for the reasons you mentioned where he lit it up at Baylor. He was there under Art Bryles. Art Bryles actually is from Steubenville, Texas, uh, you know, was really made his name as a high school coach there. That's where Jared Stidham is from. So Stidham follows him to Baylor. Um, Bryles gets blown out of there with, you know, obviously there's a huge scandal at Baylor. Stidham leaves. He oh, goes yeah. to Auburn. He actually won. It, you know, wasn't a, it wasn't like a, a world on fire type of first season at Auburn necessarily, but he did beat Alabama, and he did win, I believe, SEC Newcomer of the Year that year. So there was already some buzz about Stidham being a first-round pick going into that 2018 season. And that's where things really fell apart. He lost some offensive linemen. They lost uh, on Johnson, the running back, who ended up going to the Lions. It was a huge piece of their offense. And their mm-hmm. offensive play caller was horrible. I mean, the play calling was insane. 
And the reason we know that is because Gus Malzahn, the head coach, took over play calling duties just for the bowl game that year, and they put up 50 points against Purdue in the first half of that bowl game with Jared Stidham at quarterback. So tons of promise there, and I think your Garoppolo comparison is a good one. Number one, because both guys came in and they lit it up in the preseason. Stidham's was actually a little bit better. Number two, there is a there is plenty of arm strength there, and they throw just such a pretty ball. That's what you hear scouts say. It's just so natural coming yeah. off of their hands. And number three, I would say there's an athletic element that both guys bring to the position. Now, neither guy is Lamar Jackson, obviously. I would say neither guy is even Patrick Mahomes, where you know he's going to be able to just be this otherworldly athlete throwing off platform. And you know Mahomes isn't going to blaze a forty, but he is so athletic in terms of his fluidity and of his throws inside and outside of the pocket. So neither guy is that, but both guys can throw on the run, can throw accurately on the run, and can pick up yards with their legs when they need to. I went over every single play of Jared Stidham's preseason on a piece I did earlier this offseason, and there are a number of plays there where he's on the move, outside the pocket, trying to find the open guy. It's a scramble drill situation. We didn't see all that many of those with Tom Brady, a quarterback, so it looks a little bit different, but those plays are so valuable if you can hit them. Instead of, to me, looks like somebody who might be able to provide that element in a starting role. Right. No, it's, it's a good point, and I think – I think the other part of it for me, and you mentioned, you know, if if you had to guess what we're going to do moving forward, I, I think the the biggest part for me is that Tom Brady leaving is not all on Tom Brady. I think that this is a decision that really has been coming for a while and, and was really made by Bill Belichick. Now, I think Belichick probably would have preferred to have Brady as a starter this year, but he certainly wasn't going to pay him for more than this year. And I, you know, I said this when we did our reaction, uh, me and Spags did our reaction podcast. And I, I, you know, I've been saying all off season, well, if you, if you want him for this year, just give him the two years that he wants, because what the heck, then you got him for this year. And so what you got him for next year too. But then it's like, you analyze that. And it's like, you dummy, like Belichick's never done that before. And so why would he now do it all of a sudden again this year? That doesn't make any sense. And so, and it just seems like he did exactly that where he said, look, I want to give you one year. But I'm not giving you anything more than one year. And realistically, I can't give you $30 million in one year because you already count for $13 million against the cap. So what are we going to have a $45 million cap hit on you? We can't do that. And so here's your offer, and that's the best I can do. You know, and yeah, would would I prefer to have you over Jared Stidham this year? Yeah, I would. But at the end of the day, if I got to start over with Stidham, I'll start over with Stidham. And that's why, to me, having Stidham as the quarterback makes the most sense. They're not, they're not doing some reactionary thing where they're like, we put all our eggs into, into one basket with Tom Brady to try to compete for a championship. Now we got to go out and trade for Cam Newton or, or something ridiculous like that, where it's like, no, they're, they are where they are. And they're going to try to rebuild, you know, with Stidham there. And we'll, we can talk about some of the other pieces they lost and, and, and brought back in as well. But, you know, I think that that was, that's my main takeaway. And it's really what's kind of helped me from losing my mind the last few days because knowing that Belichick is the architect of these two dynasties, you know, same team, obviously, but you know, but these two dynasties has helped me to, to be okay with it because at the end, I feel like it's his decision. And if he's deciding that he wants to move on from Brady, then I got, I got nothing better to do, but to trust him. Well, and I think you have to feel confident too, you know, and first of all, your point in, in, appreciating the fact that Bill Belichick is the one who is guiding this team into its next phase, whatever that is, is the right way to feel. I don't know how you could feel any other way in all honesty, especially at that position. I mean, the track record is pretty good. If you look at it, the guys they've yeah. tried with maybe outside of Ryan Mallett, right. Who was a third round pick and just didn't work out. He ended up kicking yeah. around the league much longer than I thought even he would um, as a backup, but Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo, guys that they spent, you know, decent draft picks on, Garoppolo yep. for sure, they were able to develop into players. And it looks like they're doing that again with Jared Stidham, who, again, probably shouldn't have been a fourth-round pick. We should be talking about that guy like he was taken in the second or third round because that's where his ability level was. It's not even higher than that if he was in the right system. So I, that's yeah. a good point. It, it's what Robert Kraft is feeling right now. I mean, and it's why you don't 
butt into those negotiations and you don't make sure that Tom Brady stays and you don't give Tom Brady $30 million, $30 million a year because you're the owner and you love the guy and it's your team and you want to make sure you keep him around. No, you don't do that because you have Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick is going to be here for maybe the next 10 years. I mean, who knows how long that guy wants to coach, but it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. And so you don't blow up your relationship with that guy, that, that coach that's going to lead you into this next phase, just to make sure that for the next two years, you're happy because the quarterback's finishing his career here. So all of that is valid. And I think one thing that I think should make Patriots fans, and I'm, I'm careful about this because I do think they will continue to add at the quarterback position. And I've been saying this from the jump. I, like, I really like the idea of having Jarrett Stidham, who I like, uh, Marcus Mariota, who I thought was a low-cost, at least a veteran with yeah. some regular season experience, accurate in the short area, a guy who is not a big ego guy who would have come in and even if he didn't win the starting job, would have provided plenty of competition and then would have been just a, a serviceable, quiet, not rock the boat type of backup. Like he would have been a perfect fit yeah. to me. Um, obviously he's going to the Raiders. And so that's that, but I like the idea of Stidham, Mariota, and then draft a guy. And I don't know if that guy, probably not in the first round, but if it's Anthony Gordon from Washington state or Jalen hurts from Oklahoma, like I, I love that, you know, put those three pieces in the blender and see what comes out. Um, and so I think they'll continue to add at the position, but Pat, what's interesting to me is they haven't added yet at the position. And, and it tells right. me that they must feel pretty good about Jared Stidham's chances to be a legitimate, at some point, competitive starting quarterback. Because if they didn't feel like that was an option, if they really didn't feel after spending a year with Jared Stidham that he was not, he's definitely not going to be able to start as a second-year guy, maybe in his third year, maybe in his fourth year, but definitely not in the second. If that's how they felt, they would have had to get somebody as soon as free agency drops, or they would have had to have a trade worked out as soon as the new league year began. Because right now what you're doing at that position, if you do want a veteran, is you're just sitting around and waiting to see what's left. I mean, maybe you love the idea right. of Andy Dalton. Maybe no, you love the idea of Cam Newton. But there's nothing that's preventing other teams from tomorrow making trades for those guys and them ending up with those guys and not you. So the fact that they haven't been aggressive right. with a veteran at that position – I think should make Patriots fans feel even a little bit better about Stidham because it tells you everything that Belichick saw from this kid in his first year is telling him that he doesn't need to scramble to find a replacement for Tom Brady. Right. No, it's a great point. It's a, it's a really great point by you. And I, I agree with you. And I will say, I, I hated the, I hated the Mariota take that you had. I know you, you had it for a while and, and look, I think I think though know, your point is valid though with Mariota, and I didn't look at it the way you just described it, and you described it perfectly because I think that's what they're looking for. They want a veteran that's going to come in, and yeah, he's going to push Stidham for the job. He's not in to necessarily quote unquote compete. He's probably in to be the backup, but Belichick's going to play it, you know, like hey, you you need to earn the spot, right? You're not the starting quarterback on day one. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the quarterback. You know, we'll see. You guys compete, and then we'll go from there. You know, and so I think, I think that that's the way he wants to play it. But he also, you know, he likes having a veteran in the room. He doesn't want all rookies, and so if he can have another veteran in the room, I think that that would be his preference. And so, you know, bring in a veteran guy who is going to be okay not being the starter, right? You're not bringing someone in that's going to be like, okay, here I am, I'm going to start. Like that's why Cam Newton to me doesn't make sense because. Cam's going to start. Cam's not coming in to be a backup, you know? And so, so to me, you know, you bring in someone and maybe it's an Andy Dalton type of guy. Maybe it's someone else. I don't know, but they're not there to start. They're there to be a backup. And so, you know, whoever that might be, whether it's, you know, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even want to name any names, but even like a guy like Fitzpatrick, you know, who's, who's on the dolphins right now, the dolphins are probably going to draft a quarterback early in the first round. If that happens, do they want Fitzpatrick around to, to mentor that guy? Maybe. And maybe not. I, you know, I don't know. And so, so we'll kind of see because they have um, what's his name too, uh, from uh, Josh Rosen too. So you know, so you never know what what they're gonna do down there. So, but I agree with you that they're gonna bring in. I think at least a veteran guy 
He likes having a veteran in, in that room, I think. And obviously he's had one in Brady for a while, so he could keep bringing in young guys. But now that he's got a young guy there, let's bring in some older guys just to kind of show them the ropes a little bit, um, you know, and just kind of be that almost that like rock that they can go to and say, Hey, look, you know, I got this question about this and all this other stuff going on. And they've seen enough of the league to where they can, you know, help out in the room, you know, with those questions. Totally. And I, I wonder, you know, if somebody like, you know, and people are going to shudder at this, but again, I think it's just about having somebody in the room who if Stidham falls on his face and, who knows? I, I right. mean, I think until he sees real regular season action, it's hard to say how he's going to perform. And as much as I like him, as much as they like him, it, it's difficult for anybody to know for sure. So who could maybe get you through, you know, if not a full season, at least a chunk of your regular season and just keep you in it, right? Just make it competitive. Right. Can can Josh McCown do that? <laughs> I mean, I don't Has he said? Has he said he's definitely done? Like, it just feels like that guy's going to play until right. he's 100 years old. But he's another guy who yep. wouldn't care if he's backing up if he really wants to play. And he would be tremendous with somebody like Stidham in terms of teaching him the ins and outs of the game. Yes. Uh, would Blake Bortles Absolutely. fall into that category? That guyy's available. Like, it. he's had starting experience. He's been to the playoffs. He's, he's not good. Like, he, he's not a good NFL quarterback. <laughs> and he's not leading you really anywhere if he has to start a significant number of games. But, again, to your point, and, and I agree with you here, He's not here to be the starter. He's here to start if needed, and he's here to show the younger guys the ins and outs if they need to figure them out, if they need their hand held to a certain extent by a guy who's seen it. But that's the kind of player that I think you're looking at now. And, again, I think it has to make you feel a little bit confident, a little bit more confident in what Stidham can be because if if they knew after a year with this kid that they needed somebody – more sure-handed because we know Pat. one thing we know they're not going to tank they're not planning on tanking and right. if the McCordy right. and the Tooney signings didn't tell you that you, you can look at all kinds of stuff from Bill Belichick over the years they're just they're not going to let that happen he does not want to be the Colts with Curtis Painter he doesn't want to tank for Trevor yes. like it's just not in his DNA it's not going to happen so you know, Jared Stidham, if he's the number one guy, I mean, it's not like, oh, you can't, you can't treat the quarterback position the way they treated tight end last year, right? Like you can't go into a season with the equivalent of Ryan Izzo and Matt Lacoste as your quarterback. You just can't do it. So they have to feel better about Stidham than I think a lot of people in New England do right now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I do want to get into some of those other guys because obviously you have, you have the Tooney um, signs, the franchise tag which is great. I think that bringing McCourty back was big. And then we got a lot of losses all over the place. So I guess what I'll, I, I'm going to ask you two questions. Num- question number one is, um, who's the guy that you are upset about the most? You know, who do you, who, who do you think they're going to miss the most that they lost? And then question number two is, um, out of Tooney, they got three options, right? Either he's going to play into the franchise tag, which I think is is the least possible of the options. They can sign him to a long term deal, or they can trade him. Just curious about what you think is the is the uh, is the most probable outcome out of that. So I'll do the second question first. I, I do think that it would be best for the Patriots to be able to extend him and lower that cap hit for this year, and just make sure that guy is around and part of your core, part of your young core. Yes. Um, for for years to come because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a young core like it's there, but I'm not sure it's there. You know, like it, it's, it's there in bits and pieces, but they just need to start building a group of young players that are going to be right in the middle of this thing at the core of a winning team for years to come. And they just don't have that many guys that fall into that category, in my opinion. Tooney would be one. I put David Andrews in that category. Uh, I think, yep. you know, Stidham could be one. Nikhil Harry could be one. Uh, you know, Jonathan Jones is, is still young enough where I would put him in that mix. He's a very important player on this team, I think, moving forward. J.C. Jackson yeah. has been great. Like, those are guys that I, I think could be part of that next core, but they need more. Isaiah Wynn, like, let's put him in the list, too. So, you know, maybe it's three of your offensive linemen, and that's great. You want to build around your offensive line? Tremendous. Like, that's a great way to do it, in my opinion. But uh, they need more guys. Right. And if they were going to lose Tooney this year, you look at their last few drafts. I mean, Tooney was 2016. 
You can go back to 2015. There's just not that many core players that have come from those drafts from 2015 through 2019. You know, Chase Winovich might be, you know, Damian Harris, maybe. Like, there's just too many question marks around a lot of these young guys, and you just don't know how it's going to pan out. So if you can keep one that you know is good in Joe Tooney for a long time, I would say do it. I'm not sure he's going to be all that willing to do it because it feels like the cap is going to explode next year, Pat. And so we're going to see contracts really get out of control starting next year, as long as the economy recovers from everything we're going through right now. So I guess that's still up in the air too, but it might not be a bad play on his end business-wise to just play this year on the almost 15 million bucks and go into next year and then sign your big deal. Um, I, I would say in terms of the guys they have lost, the one who hurts the most, and this might sound crazy because their secondary is so deep, but I'm, I'm still going to say, I'm still going to say Deron Harmon because listen, Ted Karras, good locker room guy. He's a, he's a backup interior offensive lineman. And, and I think, uh, whether they have that type in yell the Froholt right now, or whether they find a guy like that in the draft this year. That's not going to ruin your team. Alandon Roberts losing him. He was a captain last year. It's not going to lose. It's not going to ruin your team. That you can find another Alandon right. Roberts. You can find another off the line linebacker um, that would give you as much, if not more, than Roberts did. He just was never a factor in the passing game. Uh, and so I'm okay there. Even Jamie Collins, like Jamie Collins, I would say is probably number two. And as good as he was through the first half of last year. He had a bad second half. I mean, there's there's really mm-hmm. there's really no other way to slice it. And you look at some of those games, those big games, uh, the the Ravens in Baltimore, the Titans at home in the postseason. Jamie Collins is not a running game player. He's just not. He's a good athlete. He's a good yeah. blitzer. Uh, he's a, because he's so long and athletic. He can be effective in coverage, and those are all very important. But they needed somebody who could stop the bleeding in the running game. And Jamie Collins was avoiding contact too often. And we went over it time and again, and there's no better linebacker to dissect how you're willing to take on blockers and defeat them in the running game than Ted Johnson at our place. And I did a show with him every week and it was week after week. He was all over Jamie Collins because Jamie Collins in a system where two gapping is critical, right. And taking on your man, and stacking him up and shedding him and making a tackle is how everybody has to do it if it's going to work. Like, if you have one weak link, if you have one hole in the dam, the whole thing falls apart. Jamie Collins was too often the hole in the dam, and they got run through. Like, it was a tidal wave in, in the playoffs, and we saw how their season ended. Yes, they did. And so I think, yep. you know, that I that's just too fresh in my mind to say that one kills you. Not that Deron Harmon kills you, but he played over 50% of the snaps each of the last five years, Pat. The secondary is so important. Coverage is so important. The fact fact that he was so aware of every coverage and so strong in the communication with the other people in the secondary, the corners and the other safeties, he was on that wavelength. And that's what made them so good last year, that secondary unit. And he was a big part of it. Again, I mean, he's essentially playing, you know, pretty close to, to starter snaps. I mean, he's almost he's almost 60% of the snaps some of these years, the last couple of years. And so um, that to me is, is a key loss because you can put Devin McCourty back there as the deep safety, which is what Harmon was. He was not a versatile guy. He was a deep, you know, he's a deep middle guy. And you can put Devin back there and have him do it full time. But part of McCourty's versatility is the fact that he, you know, or, or I should say part of the reason – McCourty is so valuable is his versatility. You can use him down and close. You can cover right. him. You, you know, you can put him on tight ends, and you were able to do that because you had Harmon. Now I'm not sure who that deep guy is. It'll be interesting to see how they try to fit it. No, it's a good point. It's it's a really good point. And I last time he was a free agent, um, I actually spoke to someone in the organization who who said like he was their number one target to get back uh, because he was important to what they do and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's uh, he's obviously a cap casualty, but but you're right. Moving on from him is going to be difficult. He brought on the field, but also what he brought to the locker room as well. And so uh, I agree with you 100% because, again, I, I feel the same way about Van Noy and Collins. You know, hey, look, good players. I like them, but, you know, they're not they're not going to kill you not having you not having them. And, Van, you know, Noy, Harman Van Noy is one I should have made number two. I probably should have made Van Noy number two. He, for some reason, here, Pat, I just, you know, 
social distancing. No, that's one okay. Time my mind, Blocked my it out. That's all. Really so he should have been. He should have been number two. But um, and and that one hurts. And I don't know who fills that. Is it Chase Winovich? I guess. Um, you know, you probably hope he makes that leap. But Van Noy really was what they want in that position, which is that you know Ninkovich left end position where you got to be able to yeah. rush, but you also got to set an edge, and you also got to get into coverage edge. every so you know every every so often. And so um, he had a lot of value in this defense, and and so I'm not sure how you fill that. Maybe Hightower can do it if you somehow add a middle of the field linebacker like Malik Harrison from Ohio State, big body play him in the middle he can make all the calls he seems like a smart guy if you draft somebody like that maybe you can free up high tower to play more on the edge um and that might be how you fill yeah. that role uh but i i don't that's that's a tough one to fill i would i would still go Harmon just because i just i think the coverage portion of any defense yeah. is so Anyways. important yeah that i i just i'm right. still gonna actually go Harmon there but i that i would go van noy a close second okay all right. Yeah. That's like I said, I feel, I feel the same way we are in uh we're in agreement there. So um, I, th- I think that's all I got for you. I mean, listen, we, it's been, it's a little crazy. So I do want to, I do want to give, we talked about this a little bit off air. I do want to give your wife a little bit of shine. I know you guys are, uh, are expecting number one, which is great. Congratulations. But um, Thank also you she is, she is working, you know, in infectious diseases at Tufts right now. Um, and, you know, obviously not necessarily, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but I think, you know, she deserves a little bit of credit for the work she's doing and, and you're holding down the fort uh, at home the days that you have to. But, uh, but you know, it's a, it's a tough job out there for uh, for those people that are, you know, that are working in the healthcare industry. I know she's not necessarily seeing people, you know, up front, but she's she's planning for the, for the future of, of fighting this disease, you know. Yeah, she is. She's she is the smart one in the family, no doubt, Pat. And thank you for for giving her a shout. She uh, she's working hard, just like everyone is in in healthcare right now. And everybody that um, you know, everybody knows somebody who's working at a hospital these days, and it's stressful for right. them and their families. And I just have so much gratitude for all of them—doctors, nurses, you know the 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 custodian staff at, at these places like it, these people are absolutely critical obviously to how we handle this situation and and how we're able to move forward and i think it's still uh pat a situation where it's gonna get harder before it gets any easier um and so you know, like I said, I, I appreciate that, that she is working hard. She's, you know, she's grinding away just like everyone at, at all the hospitals in Boston are and, and across the country. And we're so lucky. Um, those of us that live in the, the, the Boston area, the New England area, to have so many hospitals that are among the best in the world at what they do. And so I'm, I'm grateful to, to everybody out there who's who's working and, and going into work and facing these, these circumstances as they come up, because it's not easy for them. I know that, but they know that it's, it's part of their job. Um, and, and I don't know how you, how you uh, even put into words how much respect uh, that they deserve for, for doing what they do uh, at a time like this. It's just absolutely uh mind-boggling so yes yeah, so shout out to, to dr perry she's she's phenomenal um but shout out to to all the the healthcare workers out there that are uh, taking care of us right now yeah no it's well put and i agree so so i think that's it well we actually before before i let you go why don't you why don't you shout yourself out as well just kind of let everyone know where they can uh, read you and see you and everything else and uh, i mean i'm assuming they already know and are already following you but you know let's do it anyways I appreciate it, Pat. No, yeah, man. Thank you. It's, uh, it's hopefully, you know, especially now where everyone, you know, it feels like has, has some free time on their hands and is, you know, stuck in front yeah. of that computer maybe longer than you want or listening to, you know, podcasts that um, you either have subscribed to or have never heard of before, but you're just doing it because you need something in the background while, while you're walking around making sure yeah. 
uh, that, you know, you've washed the dishes for the 15th time that day or whatever it is you're doing to pass the time. But, yes, NBCSportsBoston.com. We will obviously, at this point in time, we're going to be so football heavy. We've got almost everyone on our staff focused on football right now, um, which is a lot of fun for a lot of them, I know, because I think some of them will love to, to, to cover uh, this team even more. And um, and the fact that it's really the only sport that's that's got anything going on uh, makes it a really Crazy, interesting yeah. time. So we're loading you up with Patriots content on NBCSportsBoston.com. A lot of draft stuff, Pat. We're we're gonna, you know, we're obviously hammering the Brady stuff. How he's gonna deal in Tampa? What's gonna happen with Stidham? Are they gonna add a quarterback? All that stuff's gonna be on the site. But we're gonna be doing a lot of draft in my first seven round Patriots specific mock drops this week. Um, Great. So make sure to find that on NBCSportsBoston.com. I'm on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. And the next Pat's podcast, I referenced it uh, earlier in our conversation here, but our next Pat's podcast is where we're talking whether it's free agency or the draft. Again, it's going to be really draft heavy now moving forward, but we're, we're trying to identify Patriots fit, what they like, height, weight, speed, character, uh, program background, coach backgrounds, who's playing for Belichick's buddies across the country and do they fit? And we're talking right, to people right. that we know inside the building and across the league to give us insight as to what's available. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to try uh, to identify a few guys that are going to fill in some of these gaps that we're talking about, whether it's a quarterback or any of these other positions. Uh, so you guys will have an idea of um, what's coming at the Patriots and their roster uh, in 2020. Yeah, it's good, man. And, and again, I mean, like I said, I'm sure everyone out there is already doing it, but make sure you're following uh, Phil on Twitter because, you know, great Twitter follow and, and you have all those articles that come out. Obviously, they come out on the NBC Sports Boston page, but they also come out on yours as well. So anytime you drop an article, you got some, uh, you know, you've had some uh, some good threads along there as well. So it's been uh, it's been good and it's been keeping me busy. I can tell you that much because uh, I got three kids at home and I'm just trying to trying to keep them busy while, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter all day, you know, just talking football too. So it's been, uh, it's been fun. So, but, um, awesome, but anyways, well, Hey, Pat, thanks for coming I, on. I, so I much. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for making the time. And, uh, and, uh, we, we appreciate it, you know, and, and, uh, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to talk to you again. All right. Huge thanks to Phil for coming on again. Uh, he's one of our favorite guests. We love having him on. And every, every time I tell someone I'm having Phil Perry on the show, their reaction is always the same where, Oh, I love that guy. You know, he's just, he's a nice guy and he's super knowledgeable. Great to listen to and great to talk to as well. And so we love having him on the show. Uh, he's one of our favorites. So, so without further ado, let's get into this Pat's madness thing. For those of you that don't uh, remember or haven't seen it, it is a, uh, it's the biggest bus of the Belichick era. So it was 32 players uh, in four different regions, just like March madness. Of course, there's no March madness going on right now. Sad face. This would be this would be actually the first round would be going on right now. Um, but we have moved forward into the from the round of 32 into the Sweet 16. So I'm just going to give you a quick matchup um, of the Sweet 16. So the Chad Jackson, Reggie Wayne matchup, Chad Jackson obviously won that one. He's playing against Scott Chandler, who beat out Darius Butler in the first round. So it'll be Chad Jackson versus Scott Chandler. I think that one's pretty obvious. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a Chad Jackson landslide in that one. And then in that, the other uh, matchup in that region is Antonio Brown, who knocked off Tavon Wilson, and Cyrus Jones, who beat out Lawrence Maroney. Again, that one right there, though, is going to be really tough. Um, that's the Greg Jennings region. Of course, Greg Jennings region named because Chad Jackson was drafted over Greg Jennings. Um, that's going to be a really tough matchup. That A-B-Cyrus Jones matchup is going to be really tough. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, might vote, I might vote Cyrus Jones over Antonio Brown there, but... I think there's gonna be a lot of people that's gonna vote Antonio Brown. He might be he might be the winner of that matchup. He might. You know, Cyrus Jones was uh the highly touted second round pick coming from Nick Saban, you know, first pick of that draft, I think, because they didn't have a first rounder that year. That was the Cooks trade. Yep. Um, but I think you're right, Antonio Brown, because everyone's gonna look at obviously recency bias and what they could have been with him as right. uh, on that offense, I think a lot, a lot better. Maybe you're looking at number twelve still here. If we want to get deep into it, but I think that's I a, that's definitely an intriguing matchup in the in the Sweet Sixteen. But I think for me, it's Antonio Brown is going to definitely take the cake for that one. All right, All right I like it. 
So moving on to the next region, uh, Dominique Easley, who knocked off Jonathan Finene against Jermaine Cunningham, who took out Kenny Britt. Uh, again, I think this one's easy, easily just takes it uh, pretty, pretty handily, in my opinion, um, you know, because Cunningham sucked, but he not to the level of, of uh, Dominique Easley. And then in the other matchup there, we have Doug Gabriel, who took, who took down Ron Brace. I think Ron Brace got a little, um, well, he got, he got some, uh, he got some pity voting, I would say. Um, I think he was a much bigger bus than Doug Gabriel was, but you know, Ron, Ron Brace, of course, unfortunately passed away, uh, earlier, terrible situation. So I think, uh, people didn't vote for him, which I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. Doug Gabriel moving on in the second round and he's playing against the Dalius Thomas, um, who knocked off Delta O'Neill. Let me tell you something. I think Thomas. The, both of these, I think both of these uh, are going to be an absolute landslide. And of course, this is the Demarcus Lawrence region again, Demarcus Lawrence, because Dominique Easley was drafted over Demarcus Lawrence. Yikes. But yeah, that's, I think both these matchups are going to be a complete landslide. Yeah, for sure. Easley is interesting because obviously he, uh, he fell in that draft, right? Because of the injuries yep. and they got him late, Correct. I think at 29 and, you know, it was one of those kind of Top 10 high talent, risk, yeah. yeah, high risk, high reward type situation. And it just, right. Uh, one of those ones that just didn't pan out. Exactly. Yeah. So the easy one is, is interesting because you're right. Like that's, that's the argument against easily being a bust because the Patriots knew they were struggling, you know, that it was, that it was a, a risk taking him, but at the same time, they still drafted him in the first round. And so that's, you know, that can be, that's a challenge. So. Uh, anyways, all right, so let's move on to the next region. We have Duke Dawson, who took down Joey Galloway, against Albert Hainsworth, who took down Bethel Johnson. Uh, that's a tough one, uh, but I think Duke Dawson ultimately wins that one. Hainsworth, obviously a huge bust, um, but Duke Dawson, just an absolute out-and-out disaster. Again, I'll, I'll repeat what I've said all along. Duke Dawson is the only player in the Belichick era to be drafted in the first or second round and not make it to year two on the team. He's the only player not that that's unbelievable. When you look at the list of guys in the first and second round. And I know he was okay in Denver this year. Definitely much, much better than he was here. I, yeah. It, it comes back to our conversation in August. If this secondary wasn't so good and so just tough to find time on the field with McCordy Jones, Gilmore, Jackson, even Juwan Williams, who they invested in early on in the draft last year, they right. must. They might have given him another chance, but with, like I said, the competition there, it, it's just not not enough room for him. Right, and it's tough. I mean, it is tough, and you're right about that. It is also tough to look at it and say, well, Duke Dawson was drafted in the second round. J.C. Jackson was an undrafted free agent in the same draft, and of course, you know, became a starter as a rookie and played great last year. So, you know, that's that makes it difficult. So, all right. So uh, at the bottom of this region, we have uh, Chad Johnson, who took down, of course, Ocho Cinco formerly Ocho Cinco, who took down Sean Ellis, and Jordan Richards, who took down Sean Springs. This one is an easy one. Coach Richards by a, by a mile. Um, you know, I mean, come on. Let's let's get real here. So, uh, yeah, Coach Richards. I love this guy. Love Jordan Richards. Loved him when he came out, but he just stinks of playing football. <laughs> so oh. so he's, he's, uh, he's that guy. He's that guy. Um, yep. Yep. That is that the is that the final region? I was just gonna say who who so that's well that's the so this is the third this is the third region. I was gonna uh, say this is the Mark Andrews region. Who we think the biggest bust is. That's what I want to yes. finish up. All right. So so let's do it. So the last region is Razai Dowling, uh, who took down Fred Taylor against Michael Bennett, who took down Mike Gillisley. Again, Razai Dowling in a landslide on that one. And then at the bottom of this region is Terrence Wheatley, who took down Adrian Clem, Belichick's first ever draft pick. Uh, against Aaron Dobson, who took down Coney Ely. And Aaron Dobson, uh, again, another landslide victory. I know he, I know Wheatley uh, stunk, but, you know, Aaron Dobson was a guy that we thought was going to, you know, help this team immensely at the wide receiver position, and he was just absolutely terrible. And so uh, this, of course, is the Keenan Allen region named because Aaron Dobson was drafted uh, ahead of Keenan Allen, which makes it even worse. So, um all right, biggest bust. Who do you got? Who's your Who's your number one on this list? So for me, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me, but I'm gonna go with Antonio Brown for this region. Okay. For this reason, not region. We're talking too much regions here, but <laughs> I just think it was the first time since Randy Moss really that they had gotten 
a true all pro receiver right. that is just an absolute difference maker on the field. And we, you know, it was the biggest blue ball in New England Patriots history, obviously for the reasons they got rid of him, which we've discussed and we don't want to get into. But I just think if you have him on that offense last year, we may not be we we may not be talking about number 12 leaving. We might have had a a completely different ending to the year. I think he makes that much of a difference. Um, I, I mean, you see, you know, talk about his off the field issues all you want. When we're talking strictly football, just strictly football, he is one of the most elite playmakers I've seen in our generation. He's, I mean, he can return punts, he can return kicks. He, he just, when the ball's in his hands, amazing things can happen. He creates natural separation for such a small guy. He's an unbelievable route runner. Um, and it's, like I said, it's, for me, it's him just because I think this team would have ended up in a different place if he had, you know, kept his head on straight and they were able to work it out. But I, I do mean, think Aaron Dobson, I, I know I'm going wide receiver, and I think that's no, no, no. People, yeah. I, I feel that busts are, are looked upon more when they're an offensive player, primarily a skill position, right? Because they're coming in with high hopes. They make the true yep. difference. They score the touchdowns. Obviously, you can defensive guys turn out to bust too, but they they don't they don't stand out as much as a, as a wide receiver. Aaron Dobson was brutal. Like he had, right. Aaron Dobson was his nickname, and they took him in the second round out of Marshall. Fantastic career, had high hopes, and he just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, so I think that's a, that could be could be could be a, a final right there between two wide receivers. No, we'll see. And I like that. And I'll tell you what, I've come around on the AB thing uh, because my number one is on the same side, and that's a Davis Thomas. And a Davis Thomas, I kind of have. Yep. It's kind of the same thing for me because Thomas was really the first guy that Belichick really targeted, gave a massive contract to. The difference between AT and AB. <laughs> is that <laughs> Thomas actually had a decent year in 07. Whereas AB lasted, you know, what, seven days, and then he was gone. And so and you knew I think the that you can, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, so so that's that's the tough part for me. Now, Thomas, I think, was a huge part in that, in the team really taking a backslide in that, you know, 08, obviously, Matt Castle, but 09, 2010, even to 2011. Now, they made it Super Bowl in 2011, but, like, it was tough for them to recover. And so I think that, you know, that 09, 2010, and of course, 2010, Brady wins the MVP, but, but you know, they had a lot of holes in that team. I think that he's a big reason for that. And so um, so I I personally have a Davis Thomas really, really high. I can see Antonio Brown making the finals. And I will tell you what, the final that I have coming out of the right side, and again, my opinions changed on this a little bit, uh, you know, for, for those people that listen to Deep Down the Middle when we talked about it originally, I think Jordan Richards is the number one, uh, my number one on the right-hand side. And I think actually he might end up being my number one overall champion. And here's why. Jordan Richards was a guy that should not have been taken in the second round. He should have been taken in the seventh round because he's a special teams guy. He's a smart player. He knows what, listen, his nickname in college was coach. There's a reason because he knew what every single player on the field was doing, which is great in theory, except he stinks at football. And he stunk at football in Stanford, and the tape said, this kid isn't good. And Bill Belichick, instead of drafting him in the sixth or seventh round, drafted him in the second round. And when they drafted him, now, again, not that I'm going to side with Mel Kuyper, but when they drafted him, Mel Kuyper literally said, I, I, I don't have any tape on this kid. I don't even have notes on Jordan Richards because this guy is a sixth, seventh round pick. I have no notes, so there's nothing I can add. Like, this guy stunk from the moment they drafted him they knew he was going to stink, and they drafted him anyways. And that's that's what's difficult for me. It's not necessarily the fact that, of course, you know, you have guys that you have expectations on and everything, but they reached for him, and they took him in a spot where they shouldn't have. Razai Dowling's a good example of that too, but the problem that I have with the Razai Dowling draft, that draft stunk. That was a terrible yeah. draft. There were, like, no good players that were drafted in the second or third round in that year. And so that... That makes it then more difficult for me to say, well, they should have targeted this guy instead. Razai Dowling, in theory, works. Now, he got it hurt, and it was an injury thing for him more than anything else. Jordan Richards just stinks at football, and and they drafted him five rounds too early. So that, that to me, is a huge one. I, uh, like I said, I, was, for me, always a day was Thomas was number one, and I was kind of voting a day was Thomas all the way through. Um, 
but I think I might come around on the AB thing. I could be, I think it could be a Jordan Richards AB uh, final, but you know, we'll see. the The fans are gonna uh, are gonna decide it. We will have the uh, the voting out for you guys uh, over the next day or two, just so you guys can get out there and vote, um, just like you did uh, on the previous ones. Thank you for voting on the first round. I know a lot stuff. A lot of stuff has come up. This has gotten pushed way to the back burner. I just said I'm not even gonna release it. I was gonna release it on Monday. And I was like, I'm not even going to do that because the league year started, the Brady decision is going to happen. Like, let's get over that first and then we'll, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll deal with this. So uh, anyways, that's what we got. Thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to Phil for coming on again. Really appreciate it. Uh, we love the work that he does over at NBC and uh, you know, stay safe out there. I know it can be, it can be a scary time out there, but you know, stay safe. And, and in the meantime, we're going to be trying to give you as much, uh, as much solid pictures content as we can. Brady's gone, but we're not baby.